Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Emily Newton, and joining us on the show is Lou from Chicago Fight House. Hey, Lou, what's going on? How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. So before we dive into the nitty gritty of what you guys have going on and how you run Chicago Fight House, tell us a little bit about how you describe your business to people and what made you want to start your gym in the first place. Sure. Uh, You know, Chicago Fight House is a technical boxing school. So we teach technical boxing skills. And uh, I love to pepper it with really good and difficult workouts. So okay. we, we offer classes of men, women, kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had a lot of teenagers over the summer, this past summer, and uh, people seem to like it. Okay, that's pretty cool. So you guys have like a pretty wide demographic of people that you help? I've had, uh, let's see, eight-year-olds, and I've had somewhere around 70-year-olds uh, do one-on-one training and also probably as old as 60 in the classes. And uh, again, this, this summer we had uh, two twin girls, 14 year old and their sister was 16. Mm-hmm. So we get a, we get a range. Okay. That's pretty cool. Eight to, to 70. That's a pretty wide gap there. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about what made you want to start your gym in the first place. So, school? yeah. So, you know, I started in martial arts when I was 15 years old, I started in Taekwondo and uh, progressed through the ranks there. And when I went to college, they really didn't have a Taekwondo school. Um, And I really wanted to get my black belt. Mm -hmm. So what I found was a karate school. And what I didn't know in that karate school was the owner of that karate school in the 60s and 70s was actually a pretty big deal as far as uh, trainer wise. And he trained a lot of people. And he had people who fought some famous people. So he trained some people who fought Chuck Norris way back when Chuck Norris was doing kickboxing and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And so, so that's where I went and um, it was a passion of mine. I won a state kickboxing championship Um, regionals. I didn't do as well, but, um, but I loved it and I loved working out. And so if you fast forward a couple decades, my trainer was sort of down and out. And so I convinced him to move to Chicago and I had a lot of digital marketing experience. And the idea was to get him uh, to start teaching here in Chicago. And he is a fantastic instructor. Yeah. I think uh, the first uh, boxing bouts that he cornered um, six out of six of his guys won their fights. And in some, in some of the cases they didn't even know, They didn't even have any training experience with him. And so what ended up happening was he moved back to his hometown. And now I had this, you know, seemingly pretty decent website that I developed for him. And I thought, you know, some of the trainers in Chicago, I can do just as good as they can. And so that's how I started. Okay. So tell us a little bit about like where your drive to kind of serve your community in this way comes from. Cause I know like you have that, that history, that background and, boxing and sure yeah you know troubled uh volatile childhood and taekwondo was a place for me to expend a lot of mental energy 
And so ever since, you know, I've been a proponent of, you know, when you exhaust your body, your mind will be calm. Mm -hmm. And that definitely worked for me. And uh, <clears throat> interesting story, it had a one-on-one -on -one client who here in Chicago, who never did a physical thing in her entire life. And she was probably 62. And I mean, she couldn't lift her body off the ground. She couldn't jump. She couldn't lift her body off the ground in any capacity whatsoever. Like had never leaped over anything, even the crack in the sidewalk. She was a social worker mm -hmm. and just had seen it all and was just in a terrible mental state every day. And within about 10 minutes after she started hitting the heavy bag, all of a sudden the cobwebs would just clear out. She would come in as disheveled and disoriented as she could be. She would forget her gym bag sometimes and have to walk two blocks to go back and get it. Um, and she would walk out as clear headed as anybody. And so what I found is, you know, that thing that I found when I was 15 is true for a lot of people. It doesn't matter how old you are. Yeah. Um, when you, when you do exhaust the body and you're able to release some of that aggression, uh, it calms the mind. Yeah. So how did you translate that into the services that you're offering at Chicago Fight House? Yeah. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to sound weird, but you know, I saw some of the trainers here in the city and they just didn't know the things that I was taught uh, when I was kickboxing and boxing. And so um, one of the things that I prided myself in both careers, both training people and also in digital marketing is training. And so I, I dove head first into how can I find a way to teach people simply how to do these, you know, seemingly difficult moves that, you know, professional boxers do. And so um, I spent, you know, the first year, year and a half of, of training people trying to create my own sort of teaching style and learning from a lot of different places, um, reading books and, and purchasing, you know, DVDs, uh, if you can imagine DVDs. Um, and so I just started to learn, not just take from what my teacher taught me, not just teach what I think would be good, but teaching in a way that has been proven that people can learn better. And so just melded it all together and came up with sort of my own teaching style. And mm -hmm. people seem to, they seem to like it. They yeah. seem to, they do get, they do get technically better and they definitely get in shape. Gotcha. Okay. So out of the services that you guys have, you have the boxing classes and also you do a little bit of personal training. Um, which one would you say is the most popular or do some people do like both of them? Yeah, I've had people do a one-on-one -on -one training and then they'll mix in classes. Mm -hmm. So some people who, uh, you know, they want to do twice a week one-on-one, -on -one, but then they also want to do uh, twice a week with the classes, they'll do that. So they'll get, they're getting four, uh, four classes a week. Uh, I've had people do that. <clears throat> I've had folks who, you know, they, they wanted to get stronger, but they also wanted to get fit. And so where can I do that? And at Chicago fight house, you know, we have some lifting equipment, uh, same as any other gym. And so, uh, you know, we'd split boxing and personal training, you know, strength and endurance in the same class that type yeah. of thing. And sometimes we do that in our classes, you know, it might be, you know, we might have a class where everybody's learning technical stuff and you're probably not going to break a sweat. 
Um, and then the next class, um, you know, you have to have a garbage can nearby because some people might not make it through the class. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Good to know. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about, let's talk about marketing. Um, sure. How are you guys getting your clients in the door? So, so I do digital marketing for a living and I okay. did that before I started uh, teaching boxing. So there's a, there's a couple of interesting things <clears throat> and the, the algorithms as far as organic search have changed a lot in the last 20 years. Uh, for me within three months, I was on Google's first page, um, for a lot of different neighborhoods, um, in Chicago. So, you know, I targeted neighborhoods and boxing and boxing classes in the neighborhood, that type of thing, mm-hmm. starting local. <clears throat> And so that was very easy. And then progressively it's gotten more difficult to stay there. Okay. And, and so, um, so I started just doing organic search. And then when I realized, okay, I can, I might be able to do this full time. Cause at first it was like, you know, I'll just do a couple of classes a week and that type of thing. So then I started doing paid advertisements and um, the paid advertisements worked so well, I had to stop them because I had sort of filled up the allotted slots that I wanted to, uh, that I wanted to fill. And I was literally driving back and forth to the gym and to my office, uh, sometimes three times a day, uh, just because I had noon class or a morning class and an evening class. And so, um, over the, over the years I've stuck with organic search and then, you know, some paid when I wanted to uptick the number of clients. Mm -hmm. Uh, but for the most part, it's mostly been organic search. Gotcha. Okay. So for those of us who don't necessarily have that background in digital marketing, um, which I can see came very handy for you, mm-hmm. what would you say when it comes to paid advertisement, like what something that somebody should know going into that, who doesn't necessarily have, you know, that background, something that might make it a little more like simple and easier. Sure. Uh, for me, uh, what I recommend to my clients is to start as locally as possible mm-hmm. and to have different campaigns for different niches. Okay. And so if you have, if you're, if you're identifying a particular persona, um, have a different campaign locally for that persona. And that way you don't have to spend a lot of money and the money that you do spend, it's really focused and people are going to come to the correct page in order to convert them at least into a caller to have a conversation or come into, come into the gym. So that's what, that's the first thing that I recommend to people is, is stay local and uh, segment your uh, personas as far as clientele. So for example, for me, um, I would have, I would have, well, here's what I did one time. Uh, I created a page, duplicated a page, tweaked some content, and it said best boxing trainer in Illinois. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so um, I just kind of giggled at that because some people are going to search for that. And uh, a month goes by and a gentleman comes in. He wanted his his 17-year-old to start training boxing, and he was going to be an MMA star because he wrestled in high school. And... Uh, just out of curiosity after a couple of weeks, I go, how did you, I'm curious how you found me. And he said, I just searched for the best boxing trainer in Chicago and you came up. So I figured you had to be pretty good. And, uh, and the funny part about that is 
um, number one, I'll, I'll compete with any other boxing trainer as far as being able to teach people. So I wasn't totally, um, exaggerating, you know, but people do search that. And so what they're going to come up with is whoever Google decides is the best and Google is not, you know, uh, an expert in who the best boxing trainer in Illinois or Chicago is. Mm -hmm. So who's going to show up is who has a page that says that. And so I did it. Um, You can take that and sort of expand it to um, people who want to lose weight. Uh, that's very common in normal personal training, you know, personal training, weight loss. But in my niche, um, that, that you don't see that very often. Uh, and you definitely don't see paid ads for that because most people who have boxing schools don't know anything about digital marketing. So uh, it doesn't cost a lot um, in order to do well in those spaces. Um, but that's what I that's the recommendation for every single small business that I've ever consulted with mm-hmm. is. Um, start small as far as location and segment your personas out and have a different campaign for each one. I I, I could tell you a little secret on the very big business side of things. uh, If it's okay, did a lot of work with a outdoors company um, and still do, but a different one. And they tested certain, uh, they did a major test on certain keyword phrases and how people were searching as far as paid ads. And I don't know if this is still true, but it's, it's almost true, which is they were paying like a dollar per click every time somebody searched on their brand name. Mm -hmm. And so they did a test and they decided to only pay a penny and to see what would happen. And then they upped it to two pennies. And when they upped it to two pennies, uh, suddenly they got the same amount of business for uh, a lot less cost. And so I think they saved them 10 grand a month. Um, and they still made the same amount of money. So a lot of times, um, you know, you are bidding on certain keyword phrases and, uh, everybody wants to be number one, but you don't always have to be number one because oftentimes number two is the one that gets clicked on Mm -hmm. because it's closer to the organic results. And so, uh, I would just entice people to, uh, learn as much as you can about it and to experiment, experiment with your ad copy experiment with the price, uh, what you're bidding, that type of thing. So, yeah. So would you say that uh, kind of paid advertisement, would you choose, if you had to choose between the two organic and paid and one to just kind of stick with for as long as your gym is open, would you go with the paid advertising? I would go with organic. Why do you say that? Because when you pay for your advertisement, as soon as you stop paying, it goes away. And when you are, when you have a site that you have created that is good enough to rank well and your site is comprehensive enough so that it's bringing in a lot of leads, it will be that way for years, even if you don't do anything to the website. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, especially local. <clears throat> and then on top of that, uh, when you're on the Google Maps, when Google My Business, um, you know, you're going to be on there no matter what, as long as you are in close proximity to whoever is searching for your businesses. So in my opinion, organic is the long-term winner. If you're going for a short term, then it's absolutely 100% paid. You can do both for long-term, but if you, 
you know, if you got, if you have $5,000 and you're going to build your company slowly, spend it on organic search, in my opinion. Okay. So, um, when it comes to gym ownership, obviously you have to get people in the door, but once those people come in and sign a membership, you have to keep them long-term. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing for client retention. Um, <clears throat> I just try to give great service. Um, I try to promote personal goals and mm -hmm. help people achieve those personal goals. And whatever those personal goals are and however long it takes to achieve them, I support my clients. So I've had couples come in who <clears throat> they were getting married. Had a couple do this. Um, they actually were married already, but they were having a, a honeymoon. And so, you know, they wanted to get in shape for it and all their relatives were going to go in there and et cetera, et cetera. And so they, you know, they had, I think it was eight, I think it was 10 weeks. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was fantastic. They were, they were great. They were motivated. They changed their diet. They changed their daily, uh, activities. Uh, they came in, gave a hundred percent and for two to three months after when they returned, one of them still did classes. The other one didn't. And so when, you know, she was done, she was done. Yeah. And so, um, I, I honor other people's goals more than I do my own because I just, I just think it's good service to do that. So if somebody wants to come in and try it out, obviously I want them to stay, you know, for a long time. But if somebody has a very specific goal, um, you know, I try to, I try to help them as much as possible. And if, and if they're only going to stay for six weeks, I don't, I don't, change anything to just because they're only going to be there temporarily. Mm -hmm. um, I, I give it a hundred percent, no matter what. Um, <clears throat> but the long-term goals and making that connection, having rapport with people, um, you know, I think a lot of uh, personal training and personal boxing training as well. Uh, you know, you become a little bit of a counselor. You become a little bit of an ear uh, sounding board, and uh, that goes a long way. So, if you can, if if you have an ounce of empathy and uh, know when to speak and when to listen, I think that that goes a long way too. But that, you know, that's not a tactic. That's just, you know, I think the way that people should be, and so yeah. just genuinely caring human beings. Yeah. I think those are the people that I've seen also do the best. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, there was a, there was a little bit of time about a year and a half where I was inside of a personal training studio with 10 other personal trainers. And every single one of them said the best part about their job is helping people in life, not just in the gym. So, yeah, I, I think that's what a person can do to, to retain people is care about them. So tell us, walk us like, what does your day-to-day -day look like as a business owner? So, you know, fielding a lot of calls, answering a lot of questions, um, listening to people's specific circumstances and, and how they want to utilize, utilize boxing or personal training mm -hmm. as a way to achieve their goals. Um, uh, you know, it's negotiating with the, the, 
building folks uh, on on getting rooms and equipment where and when I need it. Because every once in a while, depending on what's going on in the building, sometimes you got to teach classes in a different room, mm-hmm. um, which makes it difficult depending on how many people are going to show up. Um, and, you know, it's it's being in communication with the students. So uh, managing that. And then it's teaching the classes, figuring out what, you know, what workouts, what, uh, who's going to be in the class, what did they do last time? So negotiating, uh, keeping people excited about whatever the workouts are going to be. It's also leveling people up as far as their skills, who's going to be there that day. And then it's following up for some people. Sometimes you need to send them a video because they asked a question about something Mm -hmm. and, um, or, in my case, what I'll do is if I teach a particular technique, I might say that, you know, this one boxer uses in this one fight. And then what I'll do is I'll get the video after class or maybe the next day and I'll send that video to everybody um, so they can see what we did in class. People, actual pros um, are using that. Yeah. Um, you would think that if you were in a boxing class that you would sort of research boxers and their moves, but a lot of people don't. And so sometimes that helps. Okay. That sounds like a lot of stuff to keep track of. It is, but it's fun. (laughs) Yeah. Are you doing any specific, anything specifically to help yourself stay organized and keep track of everything? Um, my phone, (laughs) (laughs) I keep track of everything via text. Um, I've tried, uh, Excel. I've tried, um, a lot of different applications for a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And what I've found is keeping everything in my phone for me works best. But um, again, I don't have 200 or 300 clients. That would be impossible. Right. Um, but uh, but that, that seems to work. And when I had, right now, I'd say I have probably half of the amount of students that I did in, uh, I'd say around 2011 to 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, even then, uh, that's how I kept track of it. <clears throat> so, yeah. yeah. So as we come to a close in, uh, in a few minutes, tell us a little bit about like your long-term goals and the vision that you see for Chicago fight house, let's say six, 12 months down the road. Sure. Uh, six or 12 months down the road. I want, uh, at least one person to compete in golden gloves. So golden gloves happens every, uh, March, March and April all across the country. Mm-hmm. And so I have a couple of folks that um, they are in the beginning stages of competing. And so if they don't compete in 2023, I definitely would be thrilled to see them compete in 2024. Okay. Um, you know, super new, uh, never boxed before. Uh, some of, A couple of them started in uh, the summer and a couple of them started the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, not not everybody who takes boxing wants to compete, and I and I don't uh, I don't encourage it. You know, if if somebody pushes for it, then I'll push for them. Uh, but uh, you know, competing is you know an individual choice, and so you know, there's a lot of risks with boxing. Yeah. And uh, and it's it is a nefarious game because there are a lot of nefarious people in the game, and so a lot of people faking their records, and so you never want to set you know, a brand new fighter up with somebody who's already had 30 fights. That's a terrible thing. 
Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you asked earlier about, you know, the day to day, I wouldn't say the day to day, but the month to month is making sure that if somebody is going to spar with somebody from another school, that that person is evenly matched. And so it's managing that. And it really is a nefarious thing. Yeah. Um, because people can get hurt and you don't want that. And and I've, I've seen some crazy things. And so it's, you really have to be cognizant of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but a couple people competing, like I said, I'm not interested in, in growing the school, doubling, you know, the attendance, but um, I am interested in actually moving locations. So actually moving out to the suburbs. So right now I'm in Chicago uh, on the North side. Um, and so uh, moving out to the suburbs is, is uh, something else that I'll have to navigate. Uh, probably won't happen in the next 12 months, but but shortly thereafter. Uh, yeah. And so that's, you know, that's a big thing because, you know, we talked about how do you market your company? Well, this would definitely be a case where paid ads will definitely come in uh, into the forefront because when you're uh, moving locations on the Google Maps, sometimes they'll take your whole profile down and you have to start from scratch. So all your reviews, all that stuff goes bye-bye. And so yeah. it was that way a couple of years ago. I don't know if it's still that way, but uh, I've seen some goofy things happen. I think they've corrected that. But, uh, you know, if if you're a company that has built up a solid reputation and you you move three blocks away, that stuff shouldn't go away. And so um, hopefully that is not the case. But um, but But that's what's going on with me. Okay. Well, Lou, this is a really good place for us to wrap things up on this episode. But before we sign out, please tell our listeners where they can find you. So you can find me at chicagofighthouse.com. And if you go there, you can uh, find out everything that you want to know about the classes, one-on-one training. If you're in another city and have um, uh, questions about equipment, uh, there's some recommendations, not not affiliate links, just recommendations, good old-fashioned uh, links to good products. And uh, if you want to give me a call and ask me questions, my telephone is on there. All righty. Well, thank you so much, Lou. We really appreciate your time and contribution to the podcast and really looking forward to seeing what you guys are going to be able to accomplish down the road. So to everyone who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit the like and subscribe button. And if you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I am your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us on the show today is Patrick Deasy of Active Movement, coming to you from Tallahassee, Florida. Patrick, what's going on, my man? How are you today? I'm doing pretty well. A normal Thursday morning for the most part. Not a bad way to kick off a Thursday. We're here to talk about your gym. 
I got a pretty good idea. Patrick and I had a chance to to chat it up about the gym before starting our conversation. But for people who aren't familiar with you or with what you do, Patrick, tell us about active movement first and foremost. Give me a little bit of a, a descriptor elevator pitch. When you describe this gym, what do you tell people? Well, uh, we're, we're a CrossFit facility. We're CrossFit active movement at the end of the day. Uh, we run a group training model similar to almost all affiliates. Um, our origin kind of came from another gym in town as uh, me and my partner both were uh, less than happy with how the gym was running and thought we could perhaps uh, do a better job. Uh, and so at some point in time, 2018-ish, uh, we left that facility and decided to try to open up active movement and uh, make our own path. Yeah. And unfortunately in our space, that's not a tremendously uncommon story. I hear all the time of, of people that were with some other organization, whether they were an employee partner or whatever it was, didn't quite like the way that the, the ship was being steered. And so we can do it ourselves, right? It's, fortunately, in our industry, it's fairly easy to to get the movement going to start up a business. We decided to go that route. We're still here. You must have done something right in that time, Patrick. And I'm sure that you know more about being a business owner today than you did that first day. But take us back to kind of the the origins of this. Well, uh, when we was really... it that that this officially got off the ground? Uh, early 2019 is when we uh, had our first classes for the most part. Um, uh, my partner, John, and I came from another facility, like I said before, and we had built up a lot of relationships with uh, members of the facility, clients that we coached on a day-to-day -day basis. And with those relationships, we, we felt that uh, the clients were more there for us uh and, and we were there to serve the clients uh and the former gym owner felt like the middleman uh and so we started out strong with basically our relationships and those carried us through the early part of the pandemic um we didn't have to do any marketing um people knew about us just through word of mouth uh we didn't even have a sign on the building until uh, earlier this year yeah, for the most part uh, and so part of the skills that we misunderstood starting was marketing, uh, referrals, asking our members or essentially training our members to help us get new members themselves. Um, none of that stuff came naturally. None of it was uh, in the forethought of our brains when we thought about opening up the facility. Um, to be honest with you, when people were like, you really want to make sure your gym's growing all the time. I was like, no, we don't. We want to sit still and, and be, uh, be calm and smooth. Um, yes. You know, being naive as I was at that point in time. Um, yeah. Not what, understanding what that. Caused the change? It sounds like something has changed since then. What caused the, the dynamic shift internally? Well, a lot of it happened with the pandemic. So like naturally with the pandemic, uh, some of our members did not feel comfortable coming back into the gym as quickly as other members did. Um, the state shut us down for six weeks at the beginning of the pandemic to begin with. Um, yep. Some of our society lagged behind. Yeah, yeah. Um, some of our relationships, we essentially ended up losing during that time. And without having a in-place system to 
generate new leads, generate um, new interest in the community for what we were doing, uh, we started to see a downshift in our overall membership. Uh, steadily losing two or three members a month instead of steadily gaining two or three members a month. Okay. And so by necessity, we found out we need to market this thing. We need to, to grow a little bit more aggressively. And I think it's, it's almost to be expected for somebody from your background. You mentioned coming from a training and a coaching background. We managed another facility. But these things just aren't really front of mind. You're focused on the client when you're the coach. Mm -hmm. You're the gym owner. You're still focused on the client, but from a much different lens. Right. right? And so right. what was what, it? What, can where, what did we start doing once we did start marketing this? Where were we, I guess, investing our dollars or our time to figure out how to get people in? Well, uh, with that said, we're, we're still not really doing much in the way of marketing. Um, it's mostly just asking our membership. Um, do you know of somebody who could utilize our facility? Do you know of somebody who might be a good fit for our community? Um, and by them uh, either saying yes to that question, we can delve further and either get them on the phone with us, have them come in for a, a trial of the, the class environment um, or a tour of the gym. Um, the, these are usually all the things that we've currently been doing. Um, okay. As far as outwardly marketing, we are in a small capital city and there are five or six other CrossFit gyms in town. Um, I would like to say that my L3 allows me to stand up and above, but it, it really isn't uh, yeah. a, a descriptor for someone who's looking at a gym. They, they don't really care if I have yeah, For people in, immersed in the CrossFit world, they care. It, for yeah. mom and pop and that's looking not the a new little client. bit better, they don't. Um, right. <laughs> Right. So, um, yeah, uh, a, a lot of this learning um, or really mindset shift happened when we started recognizing um, essentially where our membership was. Um, again, in the first year or two, we were brand new business owners. I didn't even understand what a KPI was, let alone uh, how to measure or track it. Um, and maybe two years in, somebody started mentioning uh some vocab to me that probably would have been super helpful in the beginning. Uh, yeah. it, it still makes me kind of chuckle that I can open up a business so easily with so little education on running a business and I can get myself Very low in barrier. That's a big sure. heap of trouble if I'm not paying attention. So, yeah. Well, uh, like we said, you did something right. We kind of skated by on the relationships. I don't think anybody is going to question the quality of what you do because clearly it kept people around and bought you time to learn some of these business skill sets that we may not have been equipped with at the early part. Do you think that there will come a time or is there thoughts stirring around your mind where we're going to put some dollars into some formal marketing strategy? Uh, most likely, but uh again, lacking skills in a lot of these types of things, I become very hesitant before uh, just throwing stuff against the wall. And so I am very fond of uh, checking out groups or paying attention to what other, uh, for lack of a better term, experts might be saying uh, during, during the time I'm looking to be doing that. Yeah, I think the marketing game in fitness is such a challenging one. And to your point can be 
a little bit nerve wracking, even the people that have the best grips on these things, the rules change all the time, Patrick. It's so challenging to, if you have one strategy six months from now, that strategy is irrelevant. So right. it's something that, that requires time and focus on similar to, to skills within the fitness aspect of what we work on. But take me to the next step because this is relevant for people listening to this. I think CrossFit as a, as a community there's so much differentiated strategy in terms of how we actually handle a sales process or intake of a client. When you guys get a lead, somebody interested in joining the gym, what happens? Walk me through those steps as far as how somebody actually signs up and what happens when they do sign up. So uh, if we capture their information through any of our landing pages, uh, one of us being the owners, John or myself, try to give them a call back as soon as we get that notification. Um, and so generally speaking, it's, it's a quite hot lead. That person's very interested in that moment. And if I can get them on the phone in that moment, then I usually will have a better opportunity of getting them into the gym. And that's our main focus is to get them to come to our facility, see what we're about, see how we're running the classes. And if we can do that, we, we tend to have a much better close rate. So first off, they, they fill out the landing page. We give them a call. We try to get them to come into the gym for one of two things. Either they're going to take a class for free in, in a smaller group setting. So they're not joining like our 430 class at the packed house. They're coming to one of our smaller size classes where the coach can give them a little bit more attention. From there, if they don't want to do that, then we give them a tour of the gym. We show them our bathrooms, our showers, what we have to offer, um, and then we sign them up for their, their first class. I am a big fan of them getting an opportunity to test what we're doing. A lot of people are like, oh, I can't do this. This is too hard for me. And I want people to realize, like, it does not matter where you're at on your fitness kind of journey the coach can figure out where you're at. We'll start to learn where you're at and then can then present to you a better workout for that day in the class. Um, and so that's our initial kind of uh, offer in that sales process. Now, after they've taken that class, that's when we bring them back in the office, we give them a bottle of water and we I try see. to get them to um, tell us more about why they're interested in joining the gym in the first place. Um, yep. Is it trying to lose weight? A little bit of digging. Go uh, build muscle. We have a, a, a nutrition program in the gym as well uh, with an in-body. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the in-body machine, yeah. um, but it gives a pretty nice printout. And so if I can get them to be okay with getting on that scan, getting a printout of that scan, we can start to kind of show them how we can improve their health by being at our facility and if they'd be a good fit for our nutrition program on top of the monthly uh, group training. Uh, and then from there, it's, yes, I want to join. Yes, I want to join nutrition. No, I don't want to join yet. I'm a little bit intimidated. And that's when personal training might be thrown into the table. It's a little bit more expensive for a lot of people, but if they're super intimidated, it allows the coach to build a really good one-on-one -on -one relationship with them. And then down the road can redirect them back into the class environment if uh, the coach and client are feeling comfortable at that point. Yeah. But that's our, I, that's our I wanna, process. I want to <laughs> highlight a couple of things that you said along the way there that I think are important that may go unnoticed if we just cruise by. First and foremost, 
people are test driving it first, right? They have an idea of what we're talking about before we sit down and have a sales conversation. I think CrossFit and group training in general, a lot of the time, people are intimidated by it. They might not even know what it is. And so to try to convince somebody to spend a couple hundred dollars or something that they don't understand and might be fearful of is a tall task, right? Mm -hmm. It's not an easy sales process. Once they've done it, endorphins are flowing. Then we can have a little bit more in-depth conversation as to the deeper why. But we also have some a la carte options that might make sense for different parties depending on needs, right? I, I think it's interesting, even just the business name of this doesn't include CrossFit. I'm sure that's probably by design. A lot of CrossFit facilities have gotten away from using CrossFit XYZ or whatever the name is because of that intimidation factor. But you guys, it's welcoming. We can get them in. They can feel it, see it, be immersed in it and then make a more educated decision. Is that right? That is right, yeah. And yeah. so we've got somebody hypothetically signed up, new member here. From your seat, the ownership seat, what influences the retention of that member? CrossFit is really, really known so, for the ability to capture these leads and hold on to them for the long term. What does it in your mind with this business? If we can keep them for 90 to 120 days, we have them for almost life. It is very rare we lose clients to something at the gym uh, that they're no longer interested in or lost uh, whatever reason. It's usually I moved away, I got a new job elsewhere, or I moved across town. It, it, it's so rare that we lose somebody. So those first 90 to 100 days is where we do lose the most people. Um, mm. And that is for a slew of different reasons. Um, sometimes uh, we don't do a great job of introducing them to similar people in the gym. They, they've been there for a month or two. They haven't really made a, a real connection with another member yet. They, they see other people on the whiteboard. They might see other people in class, but it's only just by like, hey, how are you doing? And it's not like, I can't wait to see so-and-so today um, type, type friendships. And if we can get them a friendship like that, it's so much likely they, they stay at the gym. The other thing that we look for in those first 90 to 120 days is their consistency. A lot of times when they join, we get like two types of members. We get the member that join and they're coming every single day. Like they got the unlimited membership. So they're coming every class they can possibly come. And those are technically kind of more of a red flag for us than, than a good thing. We like consistency, but when they go from nothing to a lot, it's usually an all or nothing type mindset showing up. And we really want to teach them like, if you can get here three days a week, we're making progress. I get that you want to be here seven, but like, three is all we need out of you to like see good change um and so that's sometimes a misunderstanding with the newer members as they're joining and then the last thing is uh, a lot of our members have been with us since we started and or years before that um, i've been a coach for 10 years now and so i do have members that have known me for the last 10 years 
Um, and so sometimes when new members join, they get a sense that like, oh my gosh, this guy knows this other person the last decade, they just met me, I'm not going to be a good fit here. And so a lot of times it's trying to help or get the veteran members, the members who have been there for so long to realize like we need their help too, to keep these new members here. It's not just like Pat and John trying to get the members to stay. It's Pat, okay. John, and the rest of the community trying to get these members to stay. And if we can get the buy-in of our members with the new members, then we're definitely keeping them. It's yep. That's the hard part, though, is uh, sometimes yeah. the new members are like, well, you pay more attention, or the old members are like, you pay more attention to the new members. I don't like that. And we have to have that conversation again of like, I would love to train just you, but would you look at pay 500 a month? And it, it becomes really quickly obvious that we do need more members. We do need new members, especially as we're losing two or three a month just for organic reasons. Right. Fitness has a tough time with this. And I think, ironically enough, the more members we have, the more easier it is to create that buy-in. But when people have been used to six, eight, 10 people in a class and the coach can have that hands-on interaction for a significant amount of time, it's a much harder pill to swallow than once we get that class up to 20 people. But going from 18 to 20, probably won't yeah. even notice a difference, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's a slow, slow burn. And like you said, we need to create buy-in amongst our community or else there can be resistance, right? Growing too fast is a thing as well. Yeah. We need to have some sort of, of reined-in process here. Now, Patrick, I, I think, I mean, our conversation so far, in a nutshell, has just been how do we sign people where do we get leads? How do we sign them up? How do we keep them? But as you forecast this thing out into the future, where do you see this business? Where do you see active movement in the long run? What's your goal for this thing, big picture? Well, really, my, my current goal, my current uh, goals with the gym is to get a more robust uh, coaching staff. Right now, it's John and I as the primary coaches, and we have two other part-time coaches. But and this isn't against any of the part-time coaches that we have. It's John and I both have a decade worth of experience working full-time in a CrossFit facility or similar. And they have a year or two of working four hours a week. And there's a difference in those classes. There's a difference in the rapport with the community of the coach yeah. to and the class. And people know. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's felt. And I would really, like, that. that is my, my number one goal for, like, the, the forecast is getting our other coaches to a level where it's interchangeable without ruffling feathers. Meaning that if the schedule says Pat and it ends up being a different coach, people aren't giving me a call uh, complaining about you didn't change the schedule. So-and-so uh, is the coach and I don't like so-and-so. Like I want all of my coaches to be at a level where people don't feel like they're being uh, shortchanged by having a coach shift or a coach change. They're not, they're not losing that, um, I guess, interconnectedness with the coach because their, their main coach isn't there that particular day. 
Um, and the reason I really want that for, for John and myself really is as owners, there are times where we can't be in the gym as often as we were. We're looking at different things. We're trying to do different things for the business. And yeah. if they require us to be in that class hour at the same time, our time gets limited in how much we can grow our value. Yeah. Um, and there's the bottleneck, so, right? Anytime yeah. you take a vacation, anytime you are sick, heaven forbid, mm-hmm. things slow down to a screeching halt. I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And so as a priority list here, you describe it as more robust coaching team, but coaching team with a little bit greater experience or, or control of a class demanding, I guess, of perhaps yeah. attention. And then we feel a little bit more comfortable growing the membership. And then you and John can, can a little bit step back, right? You don't need to be hands-on involved into everything. I think it's a natural evolution of, of the gym owner and specific to CrossFit. I would imagine when you guys first got this off the ground, yourself and John were co-owner, CEO, COO, but also head janitor, also director mm-hmm. of marketing, also head of sales, and, and many, many hats along the way. At a certain point, I think it makes sense to delegate a bit of that mm-hmm. so that you're not working 70 to 100 hour weeks on call at all times. Do you know what I mean? For sure. Now, I have one final question for you, Pat, as kind of a industry trending or or even maybe market local market trending question in the pursuit of you doing this getting a a more experienced coaching team growing your membership elevating yourself as business owner what do you think might be some potential challenges or hurdles along the way uh like off the bat it's generally finding the right type of person to do this type of job um as you all know like the the day starts at 4 a.m a lot of the time um a lot of, a lot of the times it ends at 9 p.m on some days uh hopefully you're not both doing the early morning and the evening but it, it it's a long time and so for instance uh if we hire a coach that has children they're not able to do the early, early morning hours or the late evening hours because their kids are back at home. On the days that the kids are out of school, they're tied up again. They're not able to coach as many classes on those types of days. And so finding the right person for the audience that we have, our, uh, our CrossFit gym has an average age of about 36. So we're not as young as a lot of normal, I think, facilities might be. Therefore, our coaches generally uh, do better if they're a little older with a little bit more life experience might not be as got to win this competition today as much as we're happy to be here and moving type day. Um, And so finding those, the right type of people who want to put in the extra time and effort to, to get the uh, certifications or the education necessary to, um, do a, a a good job on this is is really the limiting factor because uh, if you find a good person they they probably understand that they could make a lot of money in other industries pretty quickly uh, yeah so that requires the, a certain passion to to balance mm-hmm. that income thing 
And I think, I mean, you're preaching to the choir first and foremost. Everybody that listens to this is a gym owner looking for better, more qualified, more experienced staff. But there's a, a trade-off at a certain point of people with more experience are probably looking for a higher income. They may come with their own training or coaching biases, depending on where they came from. Or we could get that that brand new trainee who's a little bit more moldable, who we could probably pay a more affordable rate, but they're brand new and we need to put in the time to mold them. And, and so I don't think there's one tried and true answer, but I, I appreciate you bringing up the perspective of we need to match it to the people that they're actually coaching, right? We need to, to figure out what best serves our business and our circumstances. That's a tremendous place for us to wrap our conversation up, Pat, but I want to save a little bit of time, at least for you to tell our listeners where they can learn more about the gym. What's the best website? What's the best social media? How can people connect with you guys? Our, uh, our social media on Instagram is active.mvmnt. Uh, our website is similar, www.activemvmnt.com. Um, I, I would say the one other thing I'd like to add in terms of helping is ensuring that most CrossFit, at least, facilities have some form of nutrition or nutrition accountability program that's paid for at their gym, not just a free little side thing. Um, a lot of times we get nervous about talking about nutrition because of the registered dietitian license out there. Certain states are, are very particular about that, but as long as you're kind of going at it from an accountability standpoint and not a prescription standpoint, um, there's a lot of money to be made in nutrition within your facility, especially if you have a trusted yep. clientele group. And our members are spending that money somewhere. It may yep. as well stay in house, right? Yeah, I I yep. can't I can't agree with you enough, Pat. This has been fun, man. I really appreciate your willingness to share and, and give a look behind the scenes into this business and how you guys truly function. I'm excited to see what the future holds because it sounds like you guys are are kind of just laying the foundation and getting ready to take that next step. So I appreciate your time and I wish you nothing but the best moving forwards. Thank you. Absolutely. To everyone who tuned in today. Thank you as well. Don't forget, if you would like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. 
What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Hannah, and joining us on the show is Pamela Khan from Columbus Fit Life out of Columbus, Ohio. Welcome to the show, Pamela. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm super excited to have you on. But before we dive into the business, um, first tell us a little bit about what made you want to start the business in the first place. So I fall into fitness kind of by accident, um, by taking classes, um, which I had never taken a fitness class before I was in my 30s. Um, I kind of fall in love with it, um, dance fitness at first. And I started teaching because they asked me to teach um, within three months of starting taking classes. This was with Lifetime Fitness 17 years ago. And the rest is history. Then I started just teaching and taking classes. And uh, from there, my passion grew. And I will say probably three or four years after I started, I started taking classes, um, I decided to uh, start my uh, small little studio and bringing the people that were taking my classes to one place. And that's kind of how I got started with group fitness. Then I became a personal trainer. Then I became a functional nutritionist and started doing events and it snowballed. That's amazing. I love that you started um, as like having a passion in fitness yourself and then instructor to owning a gym. That's such a natural progression. I love that so much. Um, what year did you open Columbus Fit Life? So Columbus Fit Life used to be, um, so Columbus Fit Life itself um, with that name um, has been in business since uh, two, um, I will say 20, I'm going to get my years right, 2016, 2015. Okay. Uh, before that, I had a partnership with other people. So we had the same gym, just with a different name. So in the change of the partnership, um, that uh, got changed how it, you know, how it is in business. So uh, Columbus Fit Life itself since 2015. Okay, awesome. And then tell us, like, how do you describe Columbus Fit Life to someone who's maybe never heard of the business before, what's kind of like your elevator pitch, services you offer, all of that good stuff. Yes. So my elevator pitch is that we offer customized programs at work and in the community. So I work, I actually bring fitness and nutri a functional nutrition uh, to the workplace. And then I also offer it in the community in a way of an eight-week program, or you can just pop in and get to know us. Awesome. I love that. Um, so how many members would you say that you work with on the community side? In the community side, um, gosh, before COVID, it used to be a lot more. But since COVID, it's so fragmented. And I'm sure that people know this just because you have people that live stream, people who do on demand and people who come in person. So um, and I have um, actually narrowed down my business. I used to have 15 instructors before COVID and when I started and now it's me and two other instructors. Um, so to answer your question, I will say an average about a hundred people and the, uh, in the community. And then, uh, because I work for large companies, then we reach a lot of people. Uh, I just don't get to know all of them like you would in a gym because we just put, um, good classes, content workshops out there, uh, for uh, the companies to distribute. I'm curious, do any of the, you know, corporate clients become community clients? Is there any crossover there where they might decide to take a course of yours outside of the, the company? 
Yes, I love that you asked that question because as I think, um, as I was uh, writing Christmas cards or holiday cards a little bit ago, um, there are some of my dearest clients and friends who I uh, met at, um, I work with Chase Bank, for example, it, it has been eight years since we very uh, began and they have gone through the changes and taken this and taken that and learned this. But um, yes, so the, the answer to that is yes, it has been a really nice transition. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, tell me about how you get clients on the community side. How do they find you if they aren't part of that corporate side? What kind of marketing do you use? Yes, you know, I have done this in a very organic way since COVID. I used to do, um, you know, more direct marketing pre-COVID. It seems like everything, <laughs> when I talk to people in business and I think about in business, it's like pre-COVID, after COVID. Yeah. It's like this weirdness, alter reality that, yeah. um, and I, I think that a lot of us in the fitness industry, we have gone through so many changes and so many positive changes, as well as things are not the same, but that doesn't mean that it's not good. So I do it in a very organic way. I don't pay for advertisement. Uh, if I have an event, I would do some social media target advertisement to put an event out. Um, I do that, especially with the Arnold Sports Festival when I am trying to gather a large group of people, but um, I work by referrals. So I am busy enough that uh, people who know me refer their friends and uh, I've done it in a very organic way, especially in the last three, uh, yeah, uh, three years, full three years. Gotcha. How would you describe like the differences between pre-COVID marketing versus post-COVID marketing? The main difference that I will describe is that pre-COVID marketing, the fitness industry had so many people wanting to uh, go to a place. So we were so accustomed to uh, going to a brick and border. Um, and we knew that online was available, but it wasn't in our scope in a way that we were as comfortable with, I think. And after COVID, um, everything becomes so virtual that um, everybody realized there is so many more options. So before you had to market to people come through the door and then after um, and during COVID, we had to market just to um, have an, a space of visibility, um, either on demand or live stream and or in person, depending. So I think that that's the biggest difference. People used to love to just come see you. Now they have so many options and how to see you, which is not a bad thing. Right, yeah, it's accessible to a lot more people now too, for sure. And I'm sure, or like on-demand classes and things, people outside of Columbus can can join them too. So that's definitely a plus. Yeah, yeah. it's a great advantage. Um, I feel that before it was like, I'm gonna go to my class and now is I'm going to take a class. Either I'm at home, or somewhere or um, and whatever time because of yeah. on demand. Yeah, definitely. Would you say that your goals with the business are to grow the corporate side, the online side or the in-person side more? What's your main focus right now? So actually my main focus is to grow the small group part of it because something that I have noticed and um, you know, a niche that I want to capitalize on is that with the increase of social media and accessibility through what we're doing, uh, a lot of people have lost um, a true connection. So it's like, what am, where, where am I going? Like, I feel like I need a little more. So I have been very successful this year connecting with a smaller group. So with a small group, I want to meet you in person, even though it's not necessary. 
but because it's in a small group, I also, uh, we can do this live stream, but it's not to 200 people, it's to a group of 15 that knows each other, that trust each other, that can communicate with each other. So a small group training when it comes to nutrition and fitness in general is where I'm going. And the same approach applies to business. So it's easier to grab and a small group, help them and develop what it is that they want to develop in fitness and wellness and just kind of grow from that. Gotcha. What is your your marketing plan uh, going forward to grow those small group classes? Um, great question. And I don't have, honestly, I don't have like a marketing plan, um, but my goal is to continue to leverage and um, referrals. And for um, if I have a group of 15 that I'm working on in an eight-week program, um, they have access to many people that I don't know. And if they get the good results and the personal attention that they're looking for, then they're going to refer people to me. So as of right now, that is my immediate marketing plan. Um, and it's because I'm not looking to become a conglomerate. Like so many people want to like have gyms everywhere and be huge. I am very happy and fulfilled. And it makes sense for me to serve in a smaller, tight community. That's just where I am. Definitely. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your experience with um, social media then, as far as marketing goes? You mentioned you use it for events. Um, have you tried it to promote group classes or challenges or anything or do you just use social media um, for those events um i use social media um but i know uh, i was talking to somebody who owns in a uh, yoga studio about this just three weeks ago um again pre-covid we used to yeah. be able to post about a class and people will want to show up now you post about a class and people are like what are my alternatives on demand live stream and in person so you have this fragmentation of people right yeah. that have more options so i find that people are looking for connections so i never post hardly ever post pictures of just me i like group pictures i want people to see themselves in a group and um, I, I try to ask questions. So I try to be invited, inviting in a way that is not just information, but a little bit more inspiration. Um, I love education. I'm obsessed with uh, nutrition um, as I'm getting older, and I want to communicate more of that. So um, my posts are, I think, less marketing, a little bit more inspiring. I, I, I try to do that. Yeah, I like that. I think that's important, you know, providing value on social media. If like someone can learn from you for free on social media, they're more likely to think of you when they need a paid service like coaching for nutrition. So yeah. I think that's really smart to, to give that um, to the community through social media. Um, tell me about once somebody inquires or wants to learn more about your services, how do you turn them into a client, like lead from, from lead to client? Yes. Um, the best way that I have fun with that is to um, allow them to experience what Columbus Fed Life is about. And there is two ways to experience that. The best way is uh, to be part of a group setting. So to come to a class, uh, try a class, either live stream or um, in person. I love it in person better. I think that people do like in person better, even though they have options. And um, then I think that people in, um, they feel, okay, I feel like I, they feel as if they can um, feel comfortable in that setting. And my goal is for people to feel comfortable and successful. Um, 
or not because not everybody is for everybody. So I will say trying the program is the best. And then when I have a uh, nutrition client, uh, I love to get to know them because nutrition is so personal. It is so emotional. Um, I There's never a food plan that uh, it's uh, going to work for everybody ever. If anybody tells you that, it's not accurate. So getting to know people, it's um, one of the things that I love the most about my job, what I do, yeah. Yeah, sounds like you're very personable in that way. So that's awesome. Um, tell us how you keep a client long-term. So now they are a client. What do you do to make sure they they stick around for the long haul? Like um, your client from Chase Bank that's been with you for years. How do you do that? Um, you know, the best way to do that, I believe this as a uh, live rule, um, we're here to serve. Um, and we feel most fulfilled and happy and successful actually when we're serving people. So my um approach um on a daily basis is how can i serve you how can i be of service to you and i think that when we do that naturally and organically we um become successful where we need to be and life and the universe takes us in that direction so um i try to serve my clients and uh some stay for life and some are transient and i think that that's just how it's supposed to be so i think it's in service if we all more focus on service than anything else i think we're better off yes i totally agree there definitely giving back to the community is so important um, especially through fitness um tell me this is kind of a fun question i like to ask but if you had a magic wand and you could wave it and tomorrow you have i guess the business is right where you want it to be what does that look like what are the services the staff the members oh my gosh um literally i will um this is going to sound weird but uh, i'll explain why i will just um want to duplicate myself and my passion like i work long days because I'm so involved with people and I answer every message. And if you ask me a question, I'm always available that I'm like, how can I leverage either time or myself is actually my biggest challenge. Um, I used to have, like I said, 15 instructors, and then that was a whole other animal because then you have to manage people and, uh, you know, uh, HR and everything else. So my magic one will be, um, being able to have three of me that uh can do all these tasks and then they'll all become go back to my body yes. <laughs> break it as go back to yeah that's yeah. that's a good one i haven't heard that one but it's so true like most business owners i talk to are wearing so many hats and they're you know the the bookkeeper the marketer the nutrition coach the therapist to their clients sometimes and it would, it would be nice to you know just divide and, and have yourself do multiple things but um do you think there's any like systems that you're missing that would help with that like any sort of like automation or staff or anything that you think could sure I know that I'm missing the boat and um I tell you honestly and my goal this month is to do a little bit of that um there is so much available that I know will help me um become more um to be able to automize different systems 
it's just knowing which one is a good uh, system to try and uh, getting to know them. And people message me about this, that, and the other. I just need to have the time to actually study it a little bit. And it's a catch-22 for me, and I don't know if anybody else feels like that. I have all these to do with my current clients right now, plus I should be learning more so I can grow. And it's like, how much time do I have to be able to do both? Um, and again, I'm getting older and I used to want to conquer the entire universe, uh, but not anymore. So now I, you know, I, I'm thinking, okay, how many clients can I help where I'm happy? Um, I can keep up with my lifestyle. I feel fulfilled. So I don't need to try to do too much. So I don't know if that's a confusing answer or not. It's just, um, it has changed. Um, yeah, it has changed and I'm trying to figure how to be most efficient. Yeah, definitely. I totally hear what you're saying. Um, have you experienced like any burnout in the business? Like in any area, maybe like with training or with the business side, is there either one of those things that you'd like to be doing less of? Like, would you like to be more trainer than business or more business than trainer? What's your thoughts on that? Um, I, for me personally, it has, it comes in waves. So I love teaching a class I'm like in my zone and the, the world can be ending and life is good in our class so I love that about it but I do enjoy the business side of it as well so I think I go through waves um, I have experienced burnout for sure and I think that if you're passionate about something you probably have experienced burnout and at that point you just have to be wise enough to step back take a couple of days regroup come back stronger so yes, and the burnout, and I do love the business side of it. I um, I love marketing, creating, coming up with ideas. I love communicating, and at the same time, I do love to teach a class. So if I just had more time and one more of me, just one more. <laughs> yeah, you and a fitness you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. See that that's my one. You just yeah, I can even use two like. Two in the business side, two in the teaching part, four of us. Perfect. Perfect. That's all you need. Easy fix. <laughs> um, uh, one more question before we start to wrap things up. What would you tell someone who is aspiring to open a gym someday? What would be your biggest piece of advice to them? Maybe something that you wish you would have known years ago before you started. Oh my gosh. Um, I have this one for you. And I have seen, I have seen this happen around me with dear friends and people that I have helped and collaborated with. Um, having a gym, it's a lot of work, like more work than you understand because as a small business owner, it's small business owning, it's hard, but um, owning a gym, being a teacher and a business person, it is, it is hard. So my, uh, my advice hands down will be ask for help sooner. People are willing to help you and we think we can do it all, um, but we can't. So most of the time people who struggle is because they try to do too much too quick without asking for help. So ask, ask for help. People want to help you. You just have to ask. And that's, therapy for me because I, I, I feel like every day I should ask for more help and people want to help me. Um, and other than asking for help, um, I think that one of the hardest things again for gym owners is when you have a full-time job and you're trying to own a gym, 
in theory sounds like a great idea, um, but it becomes even harder. So the, you have to be discerning and your full-time your full-time need to pay the bills and your passion, which is probably your gym, um, and how to navigate both. Because I think that a lot of gyms close um, and they're there's wonderful people with amazing ideas and passions because someone was trying to do too much without realizing that they just couldn't. Right. Um, I think that that's what I have observed and the fitful pitfalls that I have had um, through the years. Um, ask for help early and be discerning of really what it is that you want to do. Is it your family right now? Focus on that. Is it your career right now? Focus on that. The gym will come. Or is it the gym? Then focus on that. Yeah, I totally agree. I think setting boundaries and, you know, making sure you're, you're clear on your goals every day is super important. Um, and definitely asking for help. You know, you can, it's great to fail and learn and fail and learn, but you can always go to someone who's been in your shoes before, who's done it before, and they can give you some advice that maybe help you fail faster and get, just get to the end goal faster. So definitely, I totally agree there. Mentorship is so crucial. Um, Pamela, thank you so much for everything you shared with us today. I've learned so much, so I know our listeners have too. Um, but before we sign out, tell me what's your social media, what's your website, where can um, all the listeners find you? Absolutely. So our website, um, Columbus Fit Life Corp. Um, corp.com columbusfitlifecorp.com that's our website and all the information is there and social media um, because we started as Columbus Fit Life you can just find me as Columbus Fit Life um, and I am on Instagram I do a ton on Facebook uh, my demographic is um, a little older and mostly women so 35 and older is most of my clients I'm 47 and um, just trying to learn how to stay healthy so a lot of Facebook a lot of Instagram a little bit of TikTok has to I have to work on that but we are live on TikTok too TikTok's hard I don't understand it either but <laughs> columbusfitlifecorp.com and columbusfitlife on socials everybody check out Pamela in her studio please um, and we appreciate you so much for being on today um, listeners we appreciate you as well don't forget if you want to be notified about future episodes hit like and subscribe and if you'd like to join us to talk about your business model click the link in the description fill it out and we'll be in touch soon and as always until next time Jim Lords out Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets, at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.